Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, have you ever felt like you were a complete failure? That you were no good and that the consequences of that were evident all around you in your life? Have you ever felt powerless in your battle against sin and the devil? That no matter how hard you tried, it seemed like you could not win the battle against the forces of wickedness? Have you ever despaired about the future? Are you afraid to, ma- to meet your maker on the final day because you feel like you cannot measure up to his standards? That on the final day of Christ's return, you will be condemned? At times in our lives when we go through hardship and adversity, those kind of feelings can arise in our hearts. When we're caught up in a battle against sin and the devil, we can be disheartened by our failures. Ongoing sicknesses, whether physical or mental, can sap us of our strength. Worries about our children, breakdowns in relationships, financial hardships, these things can cause us to doubt God's love and faithfulness to us. Yet the gospel message shows us that God gives answers to the questions and the struggles of life. This afternoon we'll see how our Savior Jesus Christ not only died, but how he also rose from the dead. Christ's resurrection is of great benefit to us. It shows us the complete victory that our Savior has won over sin, Satan, and death. It comforts us in that in Christ we too can be victorious over these things. Christ's resurrection teaches us that we can share in the new life that our Savior has won for us. By God's grace and spirit, we can overcome the forces of darkness. We can live content and thankful lives in God's service. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. Christ's resurrection is of great benefit to us. In his resurrection, we have a new status We live renewed lives, and we are assured of a glorious future. When our Lord Jesus Christ was on this earth, he brought hope to the hearts of many people. Many of them lived in darkness. They faced various illnesses and diseases. Some were possessed by demons. They carried the heavy burden of their leader's teaching, namely that they had to do good works in order to be saved. In Matthew 9, verse 36, we read of Christ's evaluation of the people of his day. Matthew writes, When he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And so our Lord ministered to the people of his day. He approached them with mercy and grace. Our Lord instilled hope into the hearts of a people living in darkness. Christ cast out the spirits of those who were demon-possessed. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He made the lame walk. Christ spoke to the crowds and taught them in such a way that people flocked from all over the country to hear him. The people were astonished at his teaching. 
For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. The crowds pressed around Jesus by the thousands. They followed him wherever he went. They recognized he was someone special. Many believed that he was the son of David, the great king, the Messiah. That's why even the children sang their hosannas when Jesus entered Jerusalem as the king of peace, riding on a donkey. Our Lord dramatically raised the hopes and the expectation of God's people. They expected great things of him. Just imagine, beloved, the depression, the sadness, the bewilderment of the people when Jesus was crucified. Their hopes were dashed for their Savior was dead. The words of the men on the road to Emmaus give us a good indication of the feeling of the people. When Jesus asked about their conversation, they said, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Death often dashes dreams. It crushes our hopes. It transforms the lives of those affected by it. It brings to an end a close relationship we had with a loved one, a friend. Death is an enemy. The people of Israel experienced that when the Lord Jesus Christ died. We at times experience that all in our lives when family members or friends are taken from us. We suffer loss. We have difficulty accepting that our loved one is gone. Yet the good news of the gospel is that the story about Jesus did not end with his death. We read together this afternoon from Matthew 28. In it we see that some of the women who followed Jesus went to his tomb. They took spices with them to embalm Jesus' body. But coming to the tomb, they did not find his body. They found the stone rolled back from the door and an angel sitting on it. He spoke to them glorious words. He said, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. As the women left to tell the disciples, Jesus himself met them on the way. The good news of the gospel is that the Lord Jesus Christ not only died, but he also arose from the dead. He is risen, the angel said, risen from the dead, alive once more. That is great news for us. For by his resurrection, Jesus showed forth his victory over death. Jesus is not a dead martyr. No, he is a living Savior. Through his resurrection, Christ showed forth his power over sin and Satan. Satan had thrown everything he had at Christ. He subjected Christ to suffering hellish agony. 
Yet our Lord went through the shame and the agony of dying an accursed death. And then he arose again. In doing so, he broke Satan's power over us. Beloved, do you know who you are in Jesus Christ? Are you aware of the new status that you have in him? In times of hardship and adversity, Satan can make us doubt who we are. He creates insecurity in our hearts. We get feelings of the fact that I'm no good, that I'm a loser, that I'm a complete failure. Perhaps because we've fallen into the temptation of the evil one. Or because of some sin we've committed that we cannot seem to get past. Or because of a breakdown in relationships or worries about our kids or someone else we hold dear. Of ourselves we are, in many ways, failures. We fall far short of the obedience God requires of us. By nature we're all terrible sinners. And yet, beloved Christ, death and resurrection have consequences for our lives. Romans 4.25 says that Jesus our Lord was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says that God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What these verses make clear is that Christ's physical death and resurrection have spiritual consequences for us. Our catechism puts it this way. It says that by his resurrection, Christ has overcome death so he could make us share in the righteousness which he has obtained for us by his death. In Christ, we have a new status, a new identity. The point is, is that when God looks at us, he views us as redeemed and renewed saints. By Christ's blood and spirit, our sins are washed away. In God's eyes, we are righteous, we're holy, not because of anything that we have done, but by the saving merit of Jesus Christ. What we need to learn, beloved, is to find our value, our worth in the risen Savior. The world often talks about self-esteem. When people suffer from a low self-confidence, the world teaches that you need to develop the good inside of you. It tries to give people a boost by emphasizing all the good things that they can do. That philosophy is an empty one for us as Christians. We are looking for an identity in the wrong place. And we're going to seek it in our accomplishments, our wealth, or our wisdom. What makes us worthwhile in God's eyes has nothing to do with our position or our status in this world. Our status comes from what Jesus Christ has done for us. We need to seek our life outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ. It's only in Him that we find our true identity. Do you know why God considers us worthwhile? It's because Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins. It's because Christ rose from the dead to make us share in His righteousness. 
And so we see, beloved, how Christ's resurrection benefits us. In his resurrection, Christ has won the victory over sin. It can no longer hold us captive. In Christ, we have a new status. We are justified, made righteous before God. God no longer looks at us as depraved sinners, worthy of condemnation. No, he looks at us as his children, redeemed by grace. By Christ's death and resurrection, God gives us a whole new identity. He considers us to be his redeemed children, sons and daughters of the living God. We so quickly can forget that. We fall back into the old way of thinking that I'm a failure, a good-for-nothing loser, unworthy because of all my sins and my shortcomings. But every time Satan whispers that in our ear, we need to say, go away, Satan. It's not true. God loves me so much. He sent his dearly loved son to die for me. Christ has redeemed me, paid the price for my sins. And as a result, I am now a dearly loved son, daughter of the great king. In Christ, that is who I am. Nobody and nothing can take that from me. That kind of perspective, beloved, helps us deal with feelings of insecurity or unworthiness. In our first point, we've seen how through Christ's resurrection we have a new status. In our second point, we'll see how through his resurrection we live renewed lives. Our new identity in Christ leads to a new way of life. Having been redeemed by the blood of Christ, we are also renewed by his Spirit. Having been made righteous in Christ, we're now also called to live holy lives. Our justification is intimately tied to our sanctification. Once again, we see that Satan tries to undermine the power of God in our lives. Not only does he whisper, I'm no good, he also whispers, I'm not strong. It may be that we learn to see that in Christ we're no longer horrible sinners, but God's redeemed children. But Satan will try to convince us of the power of sin in our lives. He wants us to think, I'm too weak to fight against such and such temptation. I'm not strong enough to conquer this sin in my life. And all too often, he succeeds. What we need to realize is that through his resurrection, Christ has won the victory over Satan. With a fall into sin, Satan was given dominion over the hearts and lives of man. The Bible speaks about Satan as the prince of this world. Satan had great power. But our Lord Jesus Christ came to earth to destroy his power. 1 John 3 verse 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. With his resurrection, Christ showed forth his dominion over Satan. Our catechism puts it this way. It says that by Christ's power, we too are raised up to a new life. One of the main proof texts our catechism uses is Romans 6. 
Paul uses the imagery of baptism to picture our complete identification with Christ our Savior. When people are baptized by immersion, they go under the water and then they come back up out of the water. The going down is compared to dying with Christ, the coming up to being raised with Christ. Just as Christ physically died and rose again, so in our lives, by the power of Christ, we die to sin, and we are raised up to walk in newness of life. The basic point, beloved, is this. We are no longer ruled by our sinful nature. As children of God, the Holy Spirit has come to make His home in us. Christ governs us by His Word and Spirit. As redeemed people, we are no longer under the mastery of Satan. Jesus Christ is our King. By His Spirit, He helps us to live holy lives to the praise and glory of His name. At times, we rely on our own thoughts or feelings to help us determine what to do in a certain situation. I think it'll be all right for me to participate in a volleyball tournament on a Sunday. You know, I'm only missing church one time. God should allow that. I don't think God will mind too much if I skip my church contributions this month. Summer's coming and we need the money for holidays. You know, I have a really strong feeling for this friend I met recently. Even though he's not a Christian, I'm sure he'll become one in time. And so, it's okay for me to date him. We have the ability to rationalize, to make excuses for many things that are not pleasing to God. But beloved, that is giving in to the sinful desires of the flesh. It is doing what we want without regard for what God teaches us in His Word. Our decisions should not be based on what we think or on the strong feelings that live in our hearts. Our thinking is often faulty. In and of ourselves, we are ignorant and blind. The feelings in our hearts often come from our sinful nature. Wise decisions are those that find their basis in God's Word. We need to let God's Word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Then we'll be able to make decisions pleasing in God's sight. Sometimes we try to make excuses for our sins. We like to think that we're not strong enough to fight Satan's temptations, that we're too weak to conquer sin in our lives, especially when in a certain area of life Satan has had mastery over us for quite some time. Let me use addiction to alcohol as an, as an example. Addictions don't develop in a week or a month. They develop over months and years. We feel needy in a certain area of life. A couple of drinks loosens us up, makes us feel like we're having fun. Or else they'll help us to forget, at least for a little while, the sorrows and struggles that lay on our hearts. 
Over time, a couple of drinks is not enough anymore. We need more and more. And before we realize it, we're addicted. Trying to quit is hard. Because alcohol is an escape. It masks our pain, our struggles. We may manage to quit for a time, but it doesn't always last. Unless the root cause of our pain or our struggles is dealt with, it's almost impossible to get rid of our dependency. Our heart struggles always relate to sin or to the consequences of sin. Either sin that we have committed ourselves or sins committed against us. Things that tie into how we view ourselves, to our insecurities, our feelings of worthlessness and self-hatred. Unless we come to know ourselves as we are in Christ, we will continue to feel powerless to deal with our addiction. But when we come to understand how we share in Christ's death and resurrection, we're freed from Satan's hold over us. When we see ourselves as redeemed, renewed children of God, people who are precious to our Father in heaven, we're strengthened to fight the good fight of the faith. It doesn't mean that we're going to win the battle against our addiction in one try. It does mean that we're not going to fall for the line that we're too weak to fight. If we equip ourselves with the truth of God's Word, with prayer, with the support of fellow brothers and sisters, we can triumph in our fight against sin and the devil. Paul commands us to put off the old nature and put on the new. In Romans 6, 12 to 14, he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace." It's possible for us to put off the old nature and to put on the new. Not in our own strength, but by the power of Christ. He has given us the Holy Spirit to live in our hearts. The Spirit enables us to live holy lives. He renews us more and more in Christ's image. He helps us to live joyous, thankful lives. It's by the power of the Spirit that our lives are transformed so that we live as children of light. And so we see, beloved, how Christ's resurrection benefits us. In his resurrection, we see that Christ has won the victory over Satan. Satan no longer has mastery over us. Through Christ's resurrection, we live renewed lives. His Holy Spirit sanctifies us. He enables us to live godly lives before the Lord. And so instead of being slaves of sin, the Spirit makes us into faithful children of our God. In our first point, we've discussed our 
justification, that through Christ's resurrection we have a new status before God, that in Him we are righteous. In our second point, we've discussed our sanctification, that by the resurrection of Christ we live renewed lives, that the Spirit makes us holy. In our final point, we deal with our glorification, and it will see that in Christ's resurrection we're assured of a glorious future. Till now, we've noted that by His resurrection, Christ has won the victory over sin and Satan. But our Lord has also won the victory over death. Unlike other human beings, death could not hold Christ in its grip. During His earthly ministry, Christ had told His disciples He was going to die. But He repeatedly emphasized to them that that would not be the end. He told them that on the third day He would rise again. We know that this happened. Good Friday was followed by Easter Sunday. Christ did arise from the dead. Beloved, do you know what this means for your future? Do you know what the consequences of Christ's resurrection are for you in the life to come? In times of struggle and temptation, Satan tries to create doubts in our hearts. He wants to rob us of the assurance of our faith, to make us doubt our salvation. He wants us to view the final day of judgment with fear and trembling in our hearts. What we need to realize is that by His resurrection, Christ has won the victory over death. That has consequences for us when we die. For as redeemed and sanctified children of God, death will not be able to hold on to us either. Our catechism puts it this way. It says that Christ's resurrection is to us a sure pledge of our glorious resurrection. Paul explains this in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 22. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death by a man, has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Yes, beloved, Christ's resurrection assures us of a glorious future. It is true that we will all die if Christ does not return in our lifetime. But our death is not the end of the matter. Our comfort is we belong with body and soul in life and in death. To our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. When we die, our soul goes to be with Christ in heaven. And on the final day, when Christ comes back, our bodies will be raised from the dead and reunited with our souls. And so Christ's resurrection fills us with a living hope. In many ways, this life is but a constant death. We face sickness, sorrow, hardships and loss. Loved ones are taken from us, empty places left behind. Yet God has a glorious future in store when there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. A time when God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. A time of glory when we'll dwell with God on new heavens and a new earth to share in the inexpressible joy 
and the surpassing peace the Bible speaks of. This afternoon we've seen how beneficial Christ's resurrection is to us. By rising from the dead, Christ has won the victory over sin, Satan, and death. Through Christ's resurrection, we have a new status. Instead of seeing ourselves as miserable sinners, we can view ourselves as redeemed children of God. Through Christ's resurrection, we live renewed lives. Instead of being ruled by our sinful nature, the Holy Spirit renews us so we live holy lives. Through Christ's resurrection, we're also assured of a glorious future. Instead of dying and lying in a grave forevermore, we will be raised from the dead and glorified and live with God in eternity. How rich we are to serve a risen Savior. Amen.